so you can uh, you can sit down. You know, it's really funny. This is real. Uh, I was planning to actually tell that story. Uh, that for real, it's in my notes uh, about how yeah I flushed the drinking water down the toilet. Uh, that really happened. Um, yeah, my bad. Uh, here's the thing though, what he did not tell you. So we're in Honduras, and there's about eight of us teenage guys in a room, and there wasn't a leader in that room. Bad call. Okay, um, for real. So we did whatever. So it was it was crazy, but man, so I'm so pumped to be here. Uh, yeah, it is funny how Dave, you know, he gave us this resource that we ended up flushing down the toilet. It's kind of crazy. Um, but man, so a little bit about me, just to get into it. So yeah, my name is Ty Buckingham. Uh, I live in Atlanta, Georgia now, and I am married. I've been married for eight years. No clapping, that's fine. Um, so when I was first married, people would like clap, standing ovations. And what I'm learning this morning is nobody cares, okay? Uh, it's fine, it's fine. Uh, no, but I've been married for a little bit. Uh, I have a, now I have a son who's like a year and a half. He's amazing. But man, I am so excited to be here in, in Kalamazoo. Uh, today, I want to kind of preach uh, out of a book I just wrote called, uh, called Grape Jelly, uh, which is kind of a weird name of a book. Uh, really, this book addresses kind of the sticky and sweet uh, of faith, money, and, and prosperity. Uh, and so that's kind of a weird title. Uh, so here's, here's the thing. So I remember growing up in, in Midland, Michigan, where I, you know, I was born and raised. Uh, and about every day I would come home from school and I would have a snack, you know, kind of, you know, whatever. And I had, I would, also, I would often make the, 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 the most dominant sandwich of sandwiches, which was the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So I would, yeah, thank you. Um, so I would go to my house, I would, I'd get my, the bread, get the peanut butter, I'd get the grape jelly out of the fridge. And I remember one day my stepmom comes into the kitchen and she's like, Ty, what are you doing? Like this disapproving like stepmom energy came into the room and, and like for real, and she was like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you using grape jelly? And I'm like, it's all I know. It's all I've ever had. And she's like, well, there are so many other options available to you. Like you, there's so many other better options. Grape jelly is the cheapest. It's usually the lowest quality. Why are you using that? And I was saying, well, it's just all I know. And then she, she told me to try something else. I tried some like strawberry jam and now that's my jam. Like it is so good, praise Jesus. Okay, and so, um, but it was this funny thing, this, what really ended up happening over time is my stepmom, me and my dad, my family, we created this kind of humorous family synonym for these poverty mentality moments. And so we had, we had this phrase, we would actually just say, hey, that's grape jelly. And it was this poverty mentality, I mean, the cinnamon in our family for a poverty mentality. You know, we, we would do these things, like we'd go to, uh, you know, Chipotle, Quidoba, whatever it is, and, you know, you do the, that, you know, gracious, heavenly moment where you tell them the rice and the protein, all the good things, and then you are asked that sacred question at the end, do you want to add guacamole? The answer is always yes. And I remember so many times, I'd be like, absolutely yes. And then there was that phrase at the end of it, they surprise you with it, and they say, oh, that's extra. Yeah, it's extra. And all of a sudden, I'd be like, oh, nope, I don't want it. I don't deserve it. It's all good, even though it's only like a like dollar seventy and whatever. And my family would always kind of say, yo, that's grape jelly. Just get the guacamole. Like, man, there's this thing for you, and it's really not that crazy. But it ended up becoming this synonym in our, in our family and a synonym in our life of this, this idea of like, hey, that is a poverty mentality of something that you don't need to have. You don't need to have that in your life. 
And the truth is, so many of us have these poverty mentalities, these, these grape jelly moments, and a lot of it depends on kind of the money story that we tell ourselves. We, I think oftentimes we, we have one of three money stories, um, and, and really it kind of looks like this. Often uh, it starts off with their money story. We always start in their money story. Uh, usually this is our, our family of origin. Sometimes it's others around us. But we start off with their money story. Then we go to my story, my money story. And then we end with God's money story. So growing up, their money story, the one I grew up in, was a story of lack all the time. It was this phrase all of the time that I would hear. All the time I would hear, we're never going to have enough. We're never going to have enough. And I would hear this all of the time. Uh, I would hear my family always growing up saying, hey, we can't fill up the tank of gas. It's always going to be like this, which is such an unhealthy way to talk. And I understand. I, I grew up with a, lot, with, with a lot of lack, which is a, what a weird thing even to say. But the truth is, is this. Like, like, let me start out this message for a moment telling you this. You deserve more than what your past gave you. You deserve more than what your past gave you. And I'm not hating on my parents. They did their best with what they had. But the problem is so many of us, we stay with what we have instead of going forward to what God has for us. And so, I mean, I want us to go through this because so many of us, we start with their story and it becomes ours. But then we kind of grow and we have our own money story. We have my money story. Man, and, and for a long time, my money story used to be this, is that whenever things get good, my money story was that there's no way this is going to last. My money story was like, oh my gosh, like, man, like I have all this increase, I have all this income. My money story was always waiting for the shoe to drop. I was always waiting for something to take it all away. What I was really doing is I was, I was convincing myself of what could be true. Like what, what could be true? Not what actually is true, but what could be true. And my money story was, even if I have a lot, there's no way this is going to last. I'm always going to be let down. And the truth is, then I read in the Bible, Philippians 4.8, and it says this, focus on what is true. Focus on what is true, not what could be true, not all the worst things that we see on the news of what could happen to your finances and your life and your marriage. I mean, I want to focus on what actually is true true. So we go from their story we kind of see and grow up with, then we some of us have our own story that we kind of make up for ourselves, and then where I want us to land today is getting into God's money story. I want you to get into God's money story, and God's money story is a story of prosperity for you and for others around you. And I know, like pastor said, I said the P word. I said the P word. Chill out, okay, for real. Uh, let's, let's, because here's the thing. The goal of this message is not to convince you to give so much that God returns to you a Tesla. Okay, nothing like that. Man, we're not, we're not trying to give so we can get something. Man, let me, let me define what prosperity really is. Prosperity is understanding that God's story for you is better than the story that you tell yourself. Man, prosperity is just this. Man, understanding that God's money story for you, his marriage story for you, his family story for you is better than the story you are always telling yourself. And, and I know I get frustrated because I've done this thing. I've done this comparative problem where I compare my story to someone else's story. And sometimes like, I have friends who have great wealth, have great families, have great all of these things. But you know what I've realized? If I always focus on what others have, I will never have what they have. 
If my focus is always on others and not on myself and not on the Lord, I'm never going to be in a good situation. And Jesus kind of shows us these, these kind of three areas where we can be in of their story, my story, and God's story. And another way to really think of it is, man, their story is often a story of, of poverty. Then my story is usually a story of just provision, trying to just make it happen. But God's story is a, God, is a story of prosperity. I mean, and the, and the truth is, is this. So Matthew 25, if you have your Bibles, say, oh, yes, I do. I don't believe half of you, but it's fine. Okay, so, so Matthew 25, there's this really interesting moment where Jesus is telling a parable. He's telling this teaching story of, of, a, of a master uh, and some talents he gives to his servants. Now, a talent uh, in the biblical times is a measure of money, of, you know, actually a, a lot of money. And so there's this parable where Jesus teaches us and kind of shows us where we are at. So there's this master, and he gives to three different servants, and it kind of represents the master represents God the Father, and the servants can represent us. Uh, Matthew 25, 14 through 18, it, it says this. For it be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, to another he gave one, to each according to his or their ability. Man, then he went away, and he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made five talents more. And he also made the guy with two, he made two talents more. And then the one who had one talent went and dug it in the round and hid the money because he was afraid. So the story goes like this, that the master says, hey, I'm going to entrust you what already belongs to me, the master. I'm going to entrust with you. And to one guy, he gives five. To one, he gives two. And to one, he gives one. And the guy with five, he does the right thing. He, he entrusts it. Man, he, he, he restores it. He, he makes it double. It's amazing. And, and then there's a the guy with two who does the same thing. Then there's a the guy with one who buries it in the ground. And, and I don't know about you. But so often when I have heard this story, I started reading this and I would get frustrated. Because I don't know about you, but at least for me, when I read that story of the three servants I mean, and the one master, I would always identify with the one who had the least. I always go there. I don't know about you, but at least for me, I would always go to the guy assuming I would have the least. But what's wild is this, I would get frustrated. And sometimes even in real life, there's some moments I would get frustrated of why do others have more when I have so much less? And what I think is interesting, Jesus teaching this moment, Jesus sharing the story of one gets five, one gets two, and one gets one. And Jesus says, man, that the master gives according to their ability. Gives to their ability. So, so many times I'm frustrated with God when I should really be frustrated with me not trying to increase my own ability to hold what God's entrusting me with. The Bible says this, is if you're faithful with little, then God can trust you with much. But man, we get frustrated when we don't have much, when we haven't been very good with the little. And it's this really wild thing. And so God wants to entrust you with more, but maybe we just have to start somewhere. We got to start somewhere. And so, so these three people kind of represent the three areas where we can be in our lives of a person who's in poverty, a person who's just seeking provision, and a certain person who is seeking prosperity. And here's the thing, poverty always leads with fear, provision leads with need, and prosperity leads with want. And let me say, let me say this, God wants what you want 
more than you even want it. God wants what you want more than you even want it. Like, he, he desperately wants, he's a good God who gives good gifts to his kids. I mean, he wants what you want way more than you want it. What's wild about the story in the Bible is this parable. So the master returns to see what his servants have done with his, with his money. And he goes to the guy who had five, now has ten. And he says, you are my good and faithful servant with whom I am well pleased. The guy who had two and now has four, he says the same thing. My, my, my servant with whom I am well pleased. And then we have the servant who had one and buried it in the ground. The master is furious. The master is mad. And he, he's saying, like, man, you, man, you, you messed with me. Like, he, he, you, you took what I had, what I've worked hard for, and you, you didn't do a good job with it. And he actually sends him away. And before he sends him away, what's really wild is the master, it says he takes from the guy with one and gives to the servant who was entrusted with five, who had now ten, which is wild to me. Man, the master, it says he took from the guy with one and then gives to the, the servant who had five, now has ten. And, and what the Bible says, what Jesus said, Matthew 25, 29, for to everyone who ha he has will more be given and he will have abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And I don't know about you, but I, I read that verse, and in my past, I would hate that verse. I would hate it. Uh, there's kind of a modern translation, not biblically, but you would hear this. I heard this growing up all of the time. This is kind of the modern way we would say this, is that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. I remember hearing that all the time growing up, and honestly... How you feel about that statement of the rich get richer and the poor get poorer is probably a good identifier of where you are in this system. Are you someone with a poverty mentality, a provision mentality of just trying to make it work, or are you in God's prosperity mentality where he wants to get more to you and through you? But so many of us, I remember growing up, Man, and we'd be driving through a nice neighborhood in, Mid in Midland, Michigan. Uh, I grew up in a, in a double-wide trailer uh, for, mo for my entire life. And so the problem is, even though literally that house could have came with me because it was on wheels, it's fine, whatever. Rude. Okay, you laughing at my poverty. Okay, uh, it's fine. No, uh, I'm not there no more. Like, yet, you know, it's crazy. I grew up in a double-wide trailer, yet so many times in my life, I kept going with where that poverty was taking me. I mean, I would always go back to the nice neighborhoods and I would tell my parents, oh man, these houses are so nice. And they would say, oh man, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And there was these poverty mentalities that became so much of my mentality that God doesn't want us to have. And so Jesus shows us, man, there's a person with the one talent, with the two talents and with the five talents. And I think instead of focusing on why do I only have one talent, what I want us to understand is how do I get to being someone that God entrusts with five? How do I go from being someone in poverty to someone in provision to someone who's in prosperity of what God has for us? And so we're gonna kind of take this step by step for just a couple minutes. So how do we go from poverty to provision? There's this word I love, I've loved it ever since I've understood it, is this word called a tithe. Uh, a tithe. Biblically, man, what I love about a tithe is that it biblically means uh, it's literally a tenth. It is your first 10%. Man, tithing is returning the first 10% of your increase or of your income. And, and let me say it like this. I've been tithing since I was a little kid, since I was like five or six years old. Uh, my dad taught me about tithing 
when he didn't love Jesus. Uh, Pastor Dave and Ann know my dad when he didn't love Jesus, and he, he like super didn't love Jesus. Like he was like actively pursuing anti-Jesus. And so, like for real, when I was a little kid, I remember being five or six, and my dad, um, as a single guy, um, you know, I grew up, I was in two different homes, you know, divorced, all of that stuff. And like weekend after weekend, there would be these other women who would be in my house. I would ask my dad, who are these random people? My dad was living in a sinful life. But in the middle of his sinful life, I remember when I was six years old, he sat me down and he taught me about tithing as a non-believer. This really happened. This really happened. And my dad said, hey, whenever you get something, you always return 10% to God. And so he taught me, like I'm teaching you, if God gives you, if you get $10, you return $1 to the local storehouse, which is the church. And my dad, I remember telling me this. He said, I don't really believe in God, but I don't want to mess with his money. (laughs) That really happened. That was real. That was so real. It was so weird. By the way, he loves Jesus now and he tithes, praise Jesus. It's all great. It's all awesome. And it's these funny moments. But you know what's really wild to me? is my dad was tithing as an unbeliever. I mean, he was honoring God with God's money as an unbeliever, but there are so many believers who dishonor God with how we keep God's money. And which is why my, my dad would give God back what already belongs to God, but there are way too many believers who try to convince ourselves that what belongs to God actually belongs to us. I mean, and it's really wild. And here's the thing, man, uh, anything less than 10% isn't a tithe, it's just a tip. (laughs) Like, for real, though. Like, I know there are believers, I meet so many of them, like, hey, do you tithe? And like, well, I I give here and there. Man, like, for real, you're just tipping God, man, to make you feel good instead of to actually do the work of God through you. Like, which is wild to me. Man, God's calling us to tithe. And here's the thing. Tithing did not start as the church's get-rich-quick plan, okay? Like, it was never like that. Tithing actually started in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 16, where Abraham, he wins this great victory only because of God. And he has this great victory. And he says, God, I'm going to return to you this victory that already was yours, and I'm going to give back to you 10% of the victory as worship to you, God. So tithing started as worship. It continued into the law, so everyone was doing it. And now we continue God's plan, and we should tithe. And let me say it like this. Jesus says you should tithe. Jesus says you should tithe. So Matthew 23, 23, it says this. Jesus is talking to uh, some Pharisees um, who are just a real good time. Uh, not really at all. And so they're always frustrated. The Pharisees are always looking for gaps in what Jesus is saying. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, he says, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe. You should tithe. Yes, but you do, but do not neglect other important things. Man, Jesus straight up says that believers, everybody should tithe. Man, believers should tithe. You should tithe. I should tithe. And, and you might wonder, well, why is it that so often I don't really hear Jesus talk about tithing a whole lot? I mean, I don't really see Jesus talk about tithing a whole lot. Paul in his letters, I don't really see it a lot. The truth is they didn't teach on it a lot because it was culture and everyone was basically already doing it. 
The culture back then, tithing was the standard. Man, and here's the thing. Jesus wasn't trying to convince them to get to the minimum expectation. Man, tithing is not your greatest expression of faith. Man, tithing is the minimum expectation God has for you. Man, tithing is the minimum. Man, man, and I get, and I get it, and it feels kind of weird sometimes, but the truth is, is God wants to do things through your tithe. And what Jesus did so much is he was trying to convince people not just to tithe, as they were already doing, he was calling them to a higher level, both for others around them and for themselves. And I love that the Bible, um, the Bible has this kind of um, like a say I won't moment. Like say I won't do this. I, I love this. So Malachi 3 uh, verses 10 through 12 kind of talks about this, kind of packages this, this up really well. And the Bible says this, bring the full tithe. Someone say full. Full, thank you. The full tithe, not 9% of your income, not 1%, but 10%. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, which would be your local church. Here would be uh, K-First. That there may be food in my house and thereby put me, God, to the test, says the Lord of hosts, see if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and the vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed and you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Man, here's what I love about tithing. Tithing, if you're taking notes, tithing does three things. Tithing will protect you, it'll promote you, and it'll prosper you. Tithing does these three things. And I don't know about you, but these are things I want in my life. Tithing will pr protect you. Uh, the Bible says that, that, that God will rebuke the devourer on behalf of you. Man, uh, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy everything that you have. But when you tithe, it protects what you have and what God has for you. Man, man, and some of, some of God's protection is behind the scenes that we never see. And some of God's protection is giving you the wisdom to be wise with what you have. Man, tithing 10% doesn't give you the freedom to do whatever the heck you want with the other 90%, okay? Man, I'm not going to go, hey, I'm going to tithe the 10% and then go gamble away the other 90% in hopes to double it to try to make it back. The, what, that's craziness. Man, God wants to protect you, and he often gives us wisdom to stay in that protective model. The other thing uh, God does when we, when we tithe is God promotes you. Uh, God promotes you. It says, man, people will look at you. The nations will call you blessed. Man, people should look at Christians. Man, people, unbelievers should look at believers and be blown away by their lack of lack. It's just how it should be. Man, um, so uh, in, the, in the book I, I write about this, so my wife and I, we heard from God. Uh, There's this one moment in 2020 uh, on January 7th, actually, which is crazy. I think that is today, actually, which is crazy. Um, so um, uh, in 2020, January 7th, um, I was really mad at God. I was, I don't know if you do this. Um, I was taught by Dave how to do this really well as a youth, of how to shake my fist at God. Uh, uh, so it was January 7th. I was, uh, I had four, my wife and I, because it's our money together, uh, I had $40,000 of student debt. And I was telling God, number one, God, how dare you get me into student debt? Isn't that funny? We do this, though. We blame God for our own decisions, like, for real. Can, can I be real? We often blame the enemy for what we do to ourselves. 
<laughs> like, dude. Okay, so I was mad at God, and God ended up speaking a word of knowledge, and really quickly, kind of how we got through it is, my wife and I, uh, in, one, in just a little bit over one year, my wife and I paid off $40,000 in a little over one year, making less than $100,000. Okay, don't, it's not like we had like $12 million, and it was like, no big deal. Uh, we did all of these things to get rid of our consumer debt. Man, we had, we had, we lived off of one of our incomes, we had side jobs, we rented out a room in our house to a total crazy person. Uh, they were nuts. Uh, and eventually, we actually had someone in our, in our family live with us, and we covered all of their expenses. Oh, and at the same time we did all of this, we gave more that year than any other year in our, in our marriage prior to that. So we did all that. And here's the thing. It wasn't fun at all. <laughs> Not at all. But can I be real? Discomfort pays for comfort. Discomfort pays for comfort. And God, man, people would always ask us. They would say, hey, how are you doing this? We'd get messages because we kind of let people know the journey we were on, trying to help other people out. And people would always ask us, like, how are you doing this? You guys don't make that much money, which was kind of rude, but it's fine. And so, but like, how are you doing this? Like, how did you pay off all of this money? Can I tell you, I think the number one ingredient, we were tithing the whole time. We have never not tithed. We have never had lack because of that. God will protect and he will promote. Man, and also what he will do is he will prosper you. Man, what I love about the Bible, Malachi, it says that he will give until there is no need. So past the point of need. That sounds like prosperity to me. And, and let me say it like this. Tithing is a test. And God is testing you to see if you will test him. Tithing is a test. He is testing you to see if you will test him. The Bible says, God is saying, test me in this. It's one of the only times in the Bible it says that. Test me and see if I won't bless you. It's like this, say I won't do this. Because God wants to bless you. And tithing changes your life. Tithing has changed my life. I mean, in my life, because of tithing, God has protected, promoted, and prospered us. So we went from an idea of a poverty mentality to a provision mentality where our needs have been met, which is good. But God isn't calling us to good. God is calling us to great. And I don't know about you, but I want God's full plan for me. And I'm not saying God is calling everyone to be a millionaire because the truth is, if you were all of a sudden handed a million dollars, it might actually ruin your life. Majority of lottery winners actually end up bankrupt. Why? Because they never were able to steward a little. So all of a sudden they have a lot and they treat it like a little. It's kind of crazy. So tithing goes from poverty to provision, but how we get to prosperity is this word called giving. Man, I, I love giving. Giving is amazing. Man, tithing is returning the first 10% of your income. Giving is, and generosity is anything over and above that 10%. Anything over and above that 10%. So I give biblically whenever God tells me to give. And it's almost always uncomfortable. <laughs> Almost always. I don't know what God's deal is, but it, it's kind of frustrating. Um, so this, this is a real story. Um, so a couple months ago, like six months ago, uh, I was hanging out with a guy in my, in my, at the church we attend. Uh, I'm not really friends with him. I just kind of know him. He like, leads worship sometimes. He's a great guy, really anointed, awesome. This guy was dating a girl radically out of his league. Praise God for people like that. I experienced that. Praise Jesus. I pray that for everybody. Okay, uh, so his, this girlfriend was way out of his league, and I asked him, bro, she's out of your league, kindly. Um, 
when are you going to, you know, put a ring on her? And he's like, well, here's the thing, ma'am. He's like, I'm saving up, I'm tithing, I'm giving, but this is just taking me a long time, which is wise. And then all of a sudden God spoke to me in my stomach and in my heart. And instantly God said, hey, I want you to give to him. And I was like, that's not my job. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not my problem. Um, but here's the thing. Man, God wants to do things for others through you that people could never do for themselves. Kind of like salvation. Okay. Um, and so there's this whole thing. So then God speaks to me instantly. And God can specifically speak to you. We have a specific God who specifically loves you and specifically speaks to you. And so God specifically said, hey, I want you to give $500 uh, to this guy's ring fund, which is a bunch of money. Okay, um, and, but here's the thing. Um, my wife and I, we have an agreement of a certain amount of money we can give without having to ask each other. So we know, and, and that was the threshold, um, and it was the, the top. Um, but here's the thing. I give without delay, even when it doesn't make sense. Because here's the thing. Being in wisdom, I'm not getting into debt or anything crazy like that. But, man, I gave, and it changed his life. He was able to get uh, married actually like a month ago. And here's the thing. I don't get to give. Like, I don't, I don't give to get things. This is real. He got married a month ago. I wasn't invited to the wedding. That's real. That's a real story. Got to be real. That's real. He's not watching this. We're not even that close. Uh, I actually don't even know his name. Um, but for real. I, and honestly, the greatest gift I got was not being invited to another wedding. Okay, um, for real. Um, but here's the thing. I don't give to get. I get to give. I don't give to get. I get to give. And, man, here's the thing. Uh, man, my wife, this is really why, for a long time, um, for many years, my wife made more money than me uh, for most of our marriage at the beginning. Up until recently, my wife made more money than me. So she was a sugar mama. Praise God for sugar mamas. Okay, okay. So she's my sugar mama. Um, but when she made more money than me, let me say it like this, it was our money together. Just because she made more, it was still our money together. Man, for real. And if you're here and you're married and you have separate bank accounts, can I be real with you? Separate money separates. Separate money separates. And you know what you're really communicating to your spouse when you have separate incomes? Or it's not separate bank accounts. You have separate money, like things that you're only keeping for yourself. What you're communicating to your spouse is I don't trust you. And that's messed up. Okay, we're going to move on. Because um, here's the thing, man. I, what I really believe is this, and what the Bible says, Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, your heart will also be. And my wife for so long made more money than me. And I remember I would constantly brag to my wife about how I spent all of the money she made. It was really great. It was a really fun time for me. And I remember... Um, we had this, uh, this was a couple years ago, um, three years ago, we uh, got our giving statement from our church. Uh, that's where we tied, we tied to our church, our, you know, our storehouse, which is awesome. And a couple years ago, we had given the most we'd ever given, uh, given. 99% um, of this was tithe, okay? And like three or so years ago, it said we had given $10,000 to our church. It says given, even though most of it was a tithe. And when you tithe, you're not giving it, you are returning it because it already belongs to God. And I remember going to my wife. I printed out the giving statement, which I don't know why. I was like, I was going to frame it. I was so excited. And I remember, even though 99% of it was tithing, which is returning, one, like 1% 1 was actual generosity, like above the tithe, I went to my wife and I said, we are so generous. We are such givers. And instantly God spoke to me and says, Ty, you're not generous. You're just obedient. Because the truth is, I was trying to get credit for being a generous person when all I was really doing was just tithing. And after that moment, I told my wife a couple minutes later, I needed to get humbled for a minute. 
Man, every time my church uh, in Atlanta has a project, we give to every project every time because I want to be fully a part of the house that I'm in. That's at least how we do our life. That's how we do our things. And if I can have my friend on the keys make their way up as we transition to pray for just a minute. So there's a big difference between tithing and giving. Tithing is returning to God your first 10% of your gross income. Giving is anything over and above that. I currently have a rental car. I no longer live uh, in Michigan. I live in Atlanta. So I have a rental car right now. And in a couple days, I will go to, to the kiosk, a national car rental, and I will go to the, de the desk to, uh, to, you know, to do what I need to do. And here's what I don't do. I have never gone up to the person at the desk in my rental car uh, agency and say, hey, um, I don't know if you watch like Mr. Beast or any of those giveaway videos, but I just want to bless you today. You work really hard at this National Car Rental Center. I want to bless you. I want to give you a car. And she's like, oh, my goodness, this is a crazy moment. And then I hand her the keys. And she takes the moment. She's like, sir, these are the rental car keys. And I'm like, don't even, just, just receive, just receive, just receive. And she's like, sir, sir, um, like this, this is what would happen. She's like, sir, you can't give what doesn't actually belong to you. And this is what I used to do with tithing. I would give myself giving credit, like I'm this generous person for doing the minimum expectation. And here's the thing, man, I believe we're called to give. I believe we're called to tithe. So let me talk to two people and then we're gonna pray. There may be some of you who are in this place and you're saying, I, I need to tithe. I, I, I need God to protect my money, to, to promote me, to prosper me, I need to tithe. But you might be here, and I've heard this a lot. You might say this, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford to tithe. My response to this is, 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 is real. You will never afford to tithe until you start tithing. You will never be able to tithe until you start tithing. And that makes maybe no sense on the earth, but in, in kingdom economics, that is how this works. Man, the truth is, God wants to protect it, promote it, and prosper you. And so if you are saying, I need to tithe, you should tithe. All believers should tithe. And if you're here and you have a lot, I'm excited for you. I want you to have a lot. I want you to have great wealth. And God was never mad at King David for his great wealth. So it's okay. Like you have a Tesla, drive the Tesla. But you better give like a Tesla. Because too many people I know drive Teslas, but give like Toyotas. And for real, I think what God's calling us to do is to give at the level in which we live. Man, the level in which we give is the level in which we should, you know, we live. And so here's the thing, God wants to take you from a life of poverty to a life of provision to a life of prosperity. Man, he wants you to prosper. And so here's my challenge for you as I'm about to pray. My, my challenge to you is this, is to test God because he's testing you. God is testing you to see if you will test him. So I encourage you to tithe the first 10% of your income, and then on top of that, to give. And God will do more with that 90% than you could ever do with your 100%. And here's what I want us to understand. In a moment, I'm gonna have Pastor Dave uh, come up and do tithes and offerings like you normally do, and I want you to respond because here's the thing, when we pray about healing, preach on healing, we pray for the sick. When we preach on, on breakthrough, we, pray, we, uh, we receive for breakthrough. And so when we teach on tithing, we're going to respond by tithing and forgiving. Nothing in the offering 
goes to me today, okay? Nothing like that. Like nothing, it doesn't come to me. I'm not here, like I'm not here to get from you. I'm here for God to get things to you. And the last thing is this. I think it's funny how Dave started with this story. And I think the truth is, many of us do what I did in Honduras with that toilet. I was given a resource for myself and others around me, but I didn't use it for what it was made to do. I literally flushed it down the toilet for my own enjoyment. And it's like, it's ridiculous. But can I be real with you? God wants to give you a resource that you don't flush down the toilet, but that you tithe with it and you give with it, and God will do immeasurably more than you've ever seen or imagined. So if we can all do this, if we can all bow our heads and close our eyes, I want to pray prophetically over you, and Pastor Dave is going to kind of come up and wrap this up for us. But I just want to pray over this house and over you as a people. And if you're here and you say, hey, I, I want to step from poverty to provision to prosperity, if you'd say, hey, I want the story that God has for my money, my family, my future, man, starting in 2024, I want to pray over every person here. And if you'd say, hey, I want to step in to the prosperity story that God has for me, can you just raise your hand so I can pray over you? And God, I pray for those here. I pray for those in this church. I pray, God, that they would have no lack Man, that they would live and not die, that their homes would be full of more joy and laughter than ever before. And God, I pray this, is that Kalamazoo First will be a church that doesn't live in poverty, that doesn't just seek provision, but is walking and stepping in to a prosperous life through tithing and generosity. Jesus, would you do what only you can do? In the name of Jesus, amen. Darkness, we're